Hello, welcome to Geeks and Niches, episode 114. I'm Mark. I'm Jasmine. And each episode on the Geeks and Niche podcast, we talk about our current sort of viewing, reading, or playing geeky habits while mixing in a review of um, comic book movies or TV shows every week. Yep. And before we get started, if you're watching on YouTube, thank you so much. We appreciate that. We would also like it if you would like this video and subscribe to our channel. Um, if you are listening on your favorite po- podcast platform, we appreciate that as well. We would also very much love it if you would leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Uh, so also, I forgot about that. Uh, Ko-Fi, <laughs> um, if you would like to donate some money towards Geeks and Niche, we'd, we'd appreciate Buy it. Buy us a coffee. Anything Great. you may want to give us. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um anyway we're not we're going to co- cover too much we're going to keep this episode kind of short this week um but there is one thing we want to cover and that is well before we jump into it there's a super bowl um there, there mark knows nothing about this it's not <laughs> not really his cup of tea so to speak uh, but yes we did have a super bowl we got a brand new flash trailer during the super bowl and it pains me to admit this trailer is actually pretty good like i think this is a really good trailer it definitely made me want to see this film um so yeah i'm gonna take a look at that flash trailer and it was supposed to be called flashpoint but i'm pretty sure it's just called the flash yeah it's just called the flash now yeah um here we go tell me something now can you hear yeah okay okay another timeline another universe like I know that the reveal hasn't happened yet, but like it's just so, so exciting to hear day, Michael Keaton's voice. Oh no! This one. Because this is the world where my mom lives. I'm not gonna lose her again. Oh, drama, 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 drama with the fam. They recast his dad. I totally missed that. That it can't help oh. me living. His dad in the other people, in the Justice League was uh, Billy Crudup. Oh, okay. Drawn I hadn't realized. Other, like, oh, interesting. <coughs> my face. So my face. If you were going to be a busy past, summer, you have no idea yeah. what the consequences can be. Bruce, I could fix things. You could also destroy. Oh my god, everything. they got Batfleck back. This can't be happening. I the sort thing I was the universe. most surprised about. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. We've been waiting for you. I created a world with no metahumans. And now there's no one to defend us. Want some help? <laughs> I'm just like so giddy about Michael Keaton back as Batman. Like, for real, he's my favorite Batman. <laughs> Oh. You're. Yeah. You are. Yeah. I'm Batman. Ah, so exciting! <laughs> that looks like Christian Bale's one. Yes, it does. Like I can't tell if that's. Ben Affleck's Batman or Chris Bale's Batman? If I can't get that. Or Matt Reeves' Batman. There might not be a future. What's the play? Batman, what do we do? We try not to die. Oh, 
It's not Quark. My name is Kara. I, I'm well, Barry. We're Barry. <laughs> Barry, what are you doing? Our kids are going to want to see this. Honestly, honestly, this really looks pretty good. I can't even like be upset about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I personal thoughts. I think it does look really good. Um, just a caveat: we're not going to talk about. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that guy. We're not going to talk about the personal lives of these people. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I personally think it looks amazing. I was, I didn't realize they'd go down just well all of it. So. We knew for ages that Michael Keaton was coming back. Mm-hmm. There was potential that Ben Affleck was coming back. Um, I don't think Ben Affleck is going to be in a great chunk of the film. I, yeah. Well, they said I, that they removed the Superman and Wonder Woman cameos, uh, but they kept bad. Like I, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like you remove. Well, I mean, I guess removing Superman makes sense since you plan to recast. But like, why would you have removed the Wonder Woman one if you kept Ben Affleck? I I don't know. I. I don't know. I don't understand what DC is thinking. Well, I'm assuming that I don't know. I said this before ages ago, but obviously I was slightly wrong with my guess. I said that I reckon that at the end of the Flash movie would have a new Batman. I thought they'd bring in um, Matt Reeves as Batman uh, at the end. I mean, like, couldn't that uh, couldn't that be Pattinson on the bike though? Yeah, I mean, from what they've said, is the Batman will stay separate, and that obviously they said the Brave and the Bold. Well, yeah, I mean. I guess Patterson could have a cameo in mm-hmm. the craziness of the multi world stuff, but I doubt it. I assume that they, what I'm assuming is that um, the Flash has gone back in time, changed history to get his mum alive. However, is then the ramifications of that is he's got rid of all the superheroes somehow. I don't mm-hmm. see how. To be honest, I don't, you uh, yeah, that it, doesn't make sense to me either. Yeah, like, I don't. I don't see how saving your mum leads to. <laughs> you know but i, I well, guess but i mean it's a different earth i guess like the yeah. the kryptonians are still around but like there's no one with no superman i get we have a supergirl but like with no superman who's yeah. gonna stop the kryptonians if we don't have any superheroes yeah i was gonna say i'm probably not thinking about it too deeply but basically it goes back in time changes it that his mum's alive somehow that you know the butterfly effect that we end up mm-hmm. with um no justice league essentially um crazy that that all the um Themyscirians are gone. All that, all, all, all that. All yeah, the, but we still got Batman because he's just a rich dude. <laughs> but somehow, somehow we get Batman from a different Earth. So yeah. I don't know. I guess it will be explained as the movie goes on. Yeah. But I would imagine <clears throat> what will happen is somehow that uh, Superman, sorry, the Flash will have to go back and let his mum die. Yeah. Um, I imagine that's maybe not as easy to do because otherwise you wouldn't go and fight Zod and everybody else and then you'd just go back in time and let your mum die and put everything back. Mm-hmm. But I assume when he puts everything back, we'll have this new Earth with this new Superman, this new Batman. Mm-hmm. However, we'll have, you know, um, I guess whoever um, uh, James Gunn wants to keep. So <laughs> well, we, we know he's keeping Peacekeeper and he's keeping uh, a bunch yeah. of others. I mean, I we can't don't... imagine Peacekeeper showing up in Flash, but I mean, you know, hey, you never know. No, although Flash showed up in Peacekeeper for two seconds, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going to, how it's going to happen, but I reckon they'll at least, I don't know. I, I, they've got to at least cameo the new Batman, surely, because if they're going to show Ben Affleck at the beginning, Surely you'd end it to show the ramifications with this new Batman at the end. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. Sh- surely you would. 
I don't know. Or or are they keeping Batfleck? Like, is he the one that stays and everyone else changes? I I don't know. Well, no, I mean, well, yeah, well, yeah, I, well, yeah. I mean, unless yeah, unless they have Ben Affleck still around, but then now yeah, they show his son Damien or something like that. Mm-hmm. That could be a thing. But I don't think they're going to do that because I think James Gunn wants to put younger people in these roles. If James Gunn he... wants to put younger people in these roles, we need a freaking Batman Beyond. Like in this, when when we get introduced to Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton should have a protege, and that protege's name should be Terry McGinnis. And then we could have like a Batman Beyond. That's well, they were gonna, they were gonna, there was, they were gonna do a Michael Keaton Batman Beyond, but they've cancelled that. So, but I want them to uncancel it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, like I guess we got to see. When does it come out again? June, June. So it comes out actually. I think the same weekend as uh, Across the Spider Verse, or very close to it. Okay. Anyway, we're gonna have we're gonna have a busy June because I'm. Still, of all the things that we've seen so far that are coming out this year, I am ex- most excited above all else for Across the Spider Verse. Like, I am so so stoked for that one to come. I mean, out. I mean the Flash for me, I think <clears throat> the Flash is probably the movie from DC I'm the most excited about. I now would say of the Marvel movies that we yet to see, probably the most excited to see the Marvels. So, okay, yeah, which they just uh, pushed back. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah, so they I don't, I don't know if we should be nervous about that or not, but it's not always a bad thing. But anyway, yeah, let's talk about our main event. So Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania, which came out uh, three days ago. We're recording on the nineteenth. Came out on the seventeenth of mm-hmm. February. So we're going to do this again, <laughs> based on the first appearance, um, Hank Pym, who appeared in Tales to Astonish twenty seven, which came out in January nineteen sixty two. And then he became Ant-Man in Tales to Astonish, issue 35, which came out in September 1962. And then we got the first appearance of Scott Lang was the Avengers 181 in March of 79. And then Scott Lang's first appearance as Ant-Man was in Marvel premiere 47, also in 1979. Uh, Hope Van Dyne's first appearance as Hope Pym in A Next, issue 7, April 1999. And Janet Van Dyne got her first appearance, Tales to Astonish, number 44, in June of 63. So joining the cast is Kang the Conqueror. Mm -hmm. His first appearance as Ramatut is in the Fantastic Four, issue 19, October 1963. And as Kang in the Avengers, issue 8, September 1964. Ooh, Kang and a Fantastic Four connection. Come on, come on, Marvel, make it happen. (laughs) So it was written by Jeff Loveness and directed by Peyton Reed. It stars Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Jonathan Majors, Catherine Newton, Michelle Pfeiffer, David Dasmalkian, Katie O'Brien, William Jackson Harper, Bill Murray, Corey Stoll, and Michael Douglas. As I said a minute ago, it's released February 2023, uh, 17th February. Oh, running time, 124 <laughs> minutes. Completely went back then, sorry. Uh, budget, uh, well, basically, not too sure, but I think around 200 million. So yeah. it's, we're not, not <clears throat> entirely sure. Uh, so far, three days in, box office has made 100 million. And that's within three days. They've made potentially half their money back within three days. So yeah, I'm been... saying it's tracking pretty well. By the end of the week, they should have, by, you know, within the next three, four, five days, they've probably made their money back. Within yeah. a month, within a month, I would say, four or five hundred million so yeah the last film made 620 some odd million so 
Um, I think this one is probably going to end up making more than the first two. So mm. I, I'm I'm going to say by the time that this film is done in theaters, it's probably going to make seven hundred million. My guess. So summary from IMDb: uh, Scott, Cassie, Hope, Hank, and Janet explore the quantum realm where they interact with strange creatures and embark on an adventure that goes beyond the limits of what they thought possible. So, um, anyway, do you want to kick off this phase five? Yes. So welcome to phase five of the MCU Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is the first film in phase five. Marvel has a huge slate for this year. Well, so far, we don't know if all of these things are actually going to happen this year. There are a few that are confirmed, and there are a few that they swear are confirmed, but we still don't have dates for yet. And then there are some that have seasons (laughs) that we can expect these things to drop. So Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is the first film, Phase 5. Up next, we have What If, which is going to be on Disney+, Plus, Season 2 of What If, supposedly early 2023. Um, Secret Invasion, still slated for early 2023 on Disney+. Plus. The next film we have is going to be Guardians. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is dropping May 5th, 2023. Then we have Loki Season 2 on Disney Plus sometime this summer. Still no date. We're also supposed to be getting Echo on Disney Plus this summer. Um, And then MCU-ish, we've got Across the Spider-Verse, which is Sony. Um, That's dropping June 2nd, 2023. That one is confirmed. Uh, Next up on Disney Plus, Ironheart is supposed to be coming in the fall of 2023. Then Sony still, this movie was supposed to come out in January of this year, but Sony pushed it back to October of 2023, and that's Craven the Hunter. I don't know anyone who's excited about that. Are you excited about Craven? No. <laughs> so no. Uh, we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens with that one. Um, then the I'll, next I'll, come back, I'll come back to that Craven the Hunter thing in a minute, but go on, carry on. Okay, so then the next up we have the Marvels, which just got pushed back. Uh, they announced this week it was originally supposed to come out in July, but it got pushed back to November. So now the Marvels is coming out November tenth, twenty twenty three. And then the last couple of things that are going to be on Disney Plus supposedly winter. Um, we've got X Men ninety seven and Agatha Coven of Chaos. That's so a lot the... of stuff going on for uh, Phase Five. So I the think first part what... of Phase Five. I think what they've said is that. They recognize that during phase four, they put out too much content and mm-hmm. it was really stuffed. And they've kind of, I think they're stepping back from that a little bit, recognizing that actually <clears throat> way too many TV shows out now. It was that COVID um, hangover. They were trying to do something. Yeah. I think also you think about it. Disney plus app was new. They were trying mm-hmm. to, cause when Disney plus first came out, I'll be honest with you, I was on the verge of canceling it. There was nothing really on there. Yeah. It just felt like they just gathered up all their um, content from, you know, their Disney channel from yeah. Netflix, from Amazon, whatever, and just thought actually we're just going to make the money directly, which is great. Yeah. Uh, but At first uh, it seemed like it was just appealing to the kids. It was like, all right, let's pull our entire Disney library onto Disney Plus. That way your kids have something that they can enjoy. But there wasn't much for adults at first. Mm-hmm. No. And then they started to, and I think WandaVision was one of the first things that came out. Yes, it, it was. kind of piqued my interest. <clears throat> uh, I think The Mandalorian. And, and I started to get drawn in a bit. But I'll be honest with you, Disney Plus isn't something I go to regularly. I still probably do go to netflix first and then disney just to see if it's something i want to watch um okay anyway so I, I will sort of still look between between the three but what they have said is they recognize now they put out too much and now they need to maybe pull that back a bit and mm-hmm. been said, a few sources have said the only real definite tv shows this year are secret invasion and loki so mm-hmm. that would not surprise me at all um yeah. 
Oh, I was going to come back to Craven the Hunter. So I was having a conversation with um, a few of our Bad Batch, <laughs> friend, Bad Batch friends the other day. Okay, okay. Uh, and one Those of our, guys. <laughs> one of our sort of thoughts were that actually, would you not love for Craven the Hunter to be scrapped? Amazing, uh, sorry, not amazing, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man 4 to come out and maybe, you know, set, set you know, years later, say 20 years has passed and... Maybe it's a Craven the Hunter movie, you know, Spider Man, Tobey Maguire versus Craven the Hunter. Like, more, more. Is of a that season. a Spider Man Rogue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a Spider Man okay, Rogue. Okay, so I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, um, I would love that. Any excuse to have my favorite Spider Man back? Like, yes, I am down. Any excuse to put Tobey Maguire back in the suit? Oh, yeah. Like, and, um, and we were saying as well that there was a rumor recently floating around that Andrew Garfield might come back for Spider-Man 3, Amazing Spider-Man 3, mm-hmm. and potentially, um, oh, I've forgotten his name, uh, Eddie Brock, Spider-Man. Uh, the actor. Oh, Topher Grace? No, not him. Oh, um, uh... <laughs> hey, uh, the guy who played Bane. Oh, my God. Why can't I remember his name? Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. There was a rumor <laughs> floating around the other day that Tom Hardy um, and Andrew Garfield could be in Amazing Spider-Man three. So I love Tom Hardy as Venom. I'm sorry, I don't care what anyone says about how awful those movies are. Tom Hardy as Venom is so freaking funny to me. Those movies aren't aren't very good, but they are funny. But not oh, not so always funny. deliberately funny, but they <clears throat> yeah. are funny. I think an Andrew Garfield and Venom movie would almost feel like the same world yes well i think andrew garfield and tom hardy would play really well off of each other i think that would be a really really good like on-screen duo Mm -hmm. so anyway come back to our man and the wasp quantum mania i so you know this (sighs) this is the first one that paul rudd doesn't have a writing credit on no i know i know yeah i saw that before i went in um so actually, I'll summarize my thoughts first, and I'll go for yourself because I. Uh, so we saw I saw it yesterday, and that's mm-hmm. on day two of it being out. And I think there must have been some somebody must have got a chance to see it earlier because there was quite a lot of um, early reviews coming in, and I saw quite a few headlines about <coughs> it not being overly well received mm-hmm. uh, so far, and you know, seeing things about Rotten Tomatoes scoring and all this kind of stuff, and. It was not giving me the best of feelings in terms of walking in. But then I also did think that there could be a combination of things here. People mm-hmm. going in and not getting what they expected. Right. Or what they hoped for more than anything. I think it exactly was what I expected uh, in terms of a movie. But maybe people were hoping for more of Ant-Man 1 and 2. Yeah. And I think it was fairly obvious from the trailers, from the direction of the Marvel Universe, that Ant-Man 3 was never going to be the same as Ant-Man 1 and 2. Yeah, it now, couldn't be. It, this it, one is a hinge pin film, whereas the others were fit into everything else. And this one yeah. is the one that kicks off everything else. Yeah, so I think Ant-Man 1 and 2 were nice. Yeah, they, they kind of, I don't know how to scrum, really. They were kind of just nice family feels. They weren't... Yeah. They weren't vital they weren't necessarily. Heavy. They weren't heavy. They weren't yeah. vital to the MCU. Mm-hmm. I think I said it in the last movie. I know Paul Rudd got t- sucked into the quantum realm and then he came out and he kind of, his technology helped time travel to go and get the um, Infinity Gems and he was quite vital to all of that. <clears throat> so but obviously between Ant-Man 2 and 3, Endgame and Infinity War happened. Now they're all back. And you know, Ant-Man 2 did lead into 
him saving the day. But as I said before, we could have easily, if they didn't have an Ant-Man films, they could have just written Ant-Man into, I don't know, an Avengers film or something, mm. you know, they could, uh, they would have figured something else out. Somebody else would have just created the time travel or, you know, they, they would have done something in maybe Endgame where somebody's heard of Hank Pym and maybe they just introduced Hank Pym in Endgame for, for argument's sake. Like they're, mm. they're, they're, there's a, there was ways around it, but these are nice films. Whilst not overly vital, they were enjoyable movies, the first two. And this film felt much more like, a Guardians of the Galaxy or Thor yes! movie. Yes, uh, and, yes, um, it did. And I, I was okay with that. Like I had no issue with it. And it, it made me. Uh, I always remember. Uh, again, I've forgotten his name. The character Randy from Scream. You know the video about. Yes. Uh, about about. The <laughs> if true you're watching trilogy. this, I guess I'm dead. Well, yeah, but he says about the true trilogy always links to something you didn't know from the first film. Mm-hmm. Now I think this film, whilst it was. Uh, it's going to be very vital to launching phase five and having, a, and potentially, I don't know where we're going, where Kang's big battle will be at the end of phase six. So I don't know. Um, I assume that's probably where we're going eventually. I I think that um, th- this played into a couple of things. It was a good launch pad for phase five, mm-hmm. but also it was a true trilogy movie. So if you think about it, we've got Janet in, in the first one, sent into the quantum realm mm-hmm. in, in in movie two she's saved from the quantum realm mm-hmm. of course at some point we're gonna have to go to the quantum realm because they you know even paul rudd in the first film goes to the quantum realm very briefly so there, there's these stepping stones to eventually this quantum realm movie so even if we didn't have the kang stuff i think the quantum realm would have been a movie that felt right to putting it in this film now, with the bringing back of, um, <laughs> oh, um, Darren. Darren, Darren. I oh, my Darren. God. Darren. I did not see that coming. That was I didn't see so that funny. I didn't see that coming at all. But when they obviously referenced him, <laughs> when, when he reveals that he, he came from the first movie, I was straight away like, this is a true trilogy. This is bringing mm-hmm. back stuff from the first movie. And, and we're just, you know, we're tying it up nicely together. Uh, you know, and even like Cassie talks about how, you know, she had a sort of a, a bumblebee guy in her room when she was a kid. She mentioned that earlier on in the film. Mm-hmm. So, again, well written here, the fact that they set these things up because not everybody may have remembered one and two. Yeah. So uh, I, I overall, I think this is exactly what I expected. I'm not really sure what all the moaning is about online. Yeah. Um, if you don't like <clears throat> the film, that's very different. But if you went in there expecting... Lewis and the mum and dad and running around. Oh, San I did Francisco miss Louise doing, though. I'm not gonna yeah, lie. No, I, yeah, I did. Yeah, Louise, I did miss him. Yeah, I did, and I hoped. I, I knew he wouldn't be in the whole film. I hoped there was going to be a cameo. Yeah, a cameo or something. End. Right, right. Um, but I, and I think they missed a they missed an opportunity at the end when they were all having cake for Cassie's birthday. Mm-hmm. I honestly think he should have been there. Now they obviously just didn't want to pay the money, so uh, or they made timings, whatever. But I think this movie was exactly what I expected it to be—a quantum realm, big blockbuster movie it was mm-hmm. it was kind of almost like avengers level movie so it's what i expected and i i enjoyed it to be honest so what about you i definitely enjoyed it i think it was it was a kind of go in sit down and just take in the spectacle kind of film uh i because i had heard not so great things about it 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 completely like d- diminished any expectation i would have had so I went in thinking everybody else says that this movie is terrible. So 
can't be that bad, right? And because I went in with that mentality, I really, really enjoyed it. I it to me though, like you said, it felt exactly like Guardians of the Galaxy. Like I was half expecting the Guardians to show up. Like it just had a Guardian vibe to it. The whole film felt like a Guardians film. And that kind of annoyed me just because Guardians is like my least favorite franchise within the MCU. Um, but aside from that, I really liked getting to meet all the weird characters that are part of the quantum realm. It's nice to know that the quantum realm is not just this empty void of amoebas and things that don't actually, you know, speak. Mm-hmm. So it was nice yeah. to see that they actually built a world down there. Um, I enjoyed that part of it, but I, I don't know. There was, there was only, I guess we can get to that later when we talk about scenes, but like it, there was really only one part that made me go, okay, this is, this is dumb. Um, And it kind of took me out of watching the film itself, but I enjoyed it. I thought the humor was nice. It was sparse. It was not as funny as the other two films, but when there was humor, I enjoyed it. Um, Loved Michelle Pfeiffer's character loved Kang. I loved this. We got this like quiet, scary villain. And I think that's something that we don't have very much of in the MCU. A lot of the villains are just like big and eccentric and out there. Mm -hmm. Um, I think them kind of toning it down with Kang is almost makes him scarier as a villain and especially because there's like a bajillion of them right like the you know we see all of the different kings uh near the end of the film and it's just like okay we had this one and if he had this personality like all of these other ones probably have different personalities but like it's still a scary thought like he seems like a very kind of frightening villain and i think like we haven't had that vibe i would say the closest villain to kang to me was mickey rourke's character in iron man 2 like he was that kind of guy that was like big and scary, but like quiet. He had a, a quiet rage about him. Um, and that's kind of what Kang feels like to me, where it's like, this is definitely the guy that I don't want to mess with just because you don't talk enough. Like all of the other villains like to monologue and they're really campy. and But this guy is just like serious and he's dead set on what he wants. And so I think it's about time that the MCU has had a villain like that. I mean, we had Thanos and Thanos was definitely very much like, no, I'm, you guys are messing up the universe and I'm going to fix it because I'm the only one that can. And I feel like Kang is very, very close to that where he's just like all business. Um, and I think if you're going to have a villain that spans across multiple films, that's the kind of villain that you need because he carries that like scary weight behind him, even though he doesn't have to do much to do it. Like he's just intimidating because he is so quiet. Um, so I really liked the way that they handled this variant of Kang. Um, and I'm actually excited to see what the rest of phase five does with this new information. So this, I, to me, if this is your first film of a new phase, I think it did a really good job of setting up the what if scenario in, in your mind as the audience, right? Like, I think it left enough open to where you're curious to see what the effects of this film are going to have as we go on through the rest of the Disney plus series. And as we go on through the rest of the films. So, I mean, for that alone, I enjoyed it because I think, I think above all else, it did a good job of setting up what happens next. It, I definitely walked out of the theater and I was like, Ooh, I want to know what happens next. 
Um, you talked a lot about Kang and stuff, but I, <clears throat> I'm curious to know. We've we've said it. In, uh, I keep going to say episode in film one and film two. Mm-hmm. That these are very much ensemble cast, and this is again an ensemble cast. Although they cut away a lot of the supporting cast from the first two movies and mm. introduced other supporting cast members, including some crazy scenes by like Bill Murray, yeah, and, <laughs> which uh, was unexpected. I didn't know Bill Murray was going to be at this, but yeah, did, and did that you... also made it feel more like a Guardians film. <laughs> Oh yeah, just to have a random famous yeah, person walk exactly. in. Exactly. Honestly, there was so much about this made me think of Guardians. Mm-hmm. Um, but just yeah, anyway. So did you have a favorite character? Um I would say my two favorite characters in this film I, I'm a, first would be Janet. I really liked Janet in this one because mm-hmm. I, I I like that she was so secretive about everything and then it just kind of ended up blowing up in her face right like she never expected to find herself back in the quantum realm so she never thought there was a reason to explain everything that happened down there um but i also like that she was just like well i'm back like fuck it let me go find my old friends and figure this shit out so i loved that she was just look i know i lied to you uh but like we can save that conversation for another time we have to figure out how the hell to get out of here so I loved her character. And then my second favorite would probably be Jintora, who was like that, uh, the the native uh, quantum citizen. I don't know what you call the people down in the quantum realm. <laughs> uh, but I loved her and that staff that she had that like disintegrated Kang's soldiers. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. She was super, super cool. I loved her. Um, but yeah, I thought I really thought that Janet's arc in this one was probably she was my favorite character just because like watching the the past and seeing her like now and how everybody was so upset that she didn't tell them all the details like it, it made me wonder like what would i have done in that situation so it was to me like janet's character was very easy to put yourself in that mindset because then you think to yourself like if i was stuck in a place for 30 years and i came back like would i really tell everybody what happened for those 30 years while i was gone i, said, I don't think i would either oh yeah i don't know i, don't know. <clears throat> I guess had you told them there'd be no film um (laughs) i i had this conversation with um actually steph when we were doing the last of us Mm -hmm. on our weekly streams and we were talking about characters that make stupid mistakes and whilst um joel in the last of us is very good we were talking about a stupid decision he made and but we did say like there's obviously in every media tv films whatever there's all if they if the character doesn't make a stupid decision a lot right. of the time you don't get the story that follows yeah. that so janet's stupid decision to not tell everybody to not look at the quantum realm yeah or um, to not at least tell them about this big bad that was down yeah. there <laughs> well yeah i mean they could have they could have gathered an entire team they could have actually <clears throat> got ready to go down there if she'd have actually said uh, you know after tony stark's funeral guys i can know there's this Thanos thing Mm-hmm. but actually look we've got yeah, let me tell you about mess. this other guy yeah, yeah. I've got the, there's this other guy called kang and actually it, it potentially could be as big as thanos but no mm-hmm. actually i'm not going to tell you guys i'm just going to go and eat pastries and uh, yeah, eat donuts and well to be fair it. he did uh, promise that he would not destroy her world well i think she'd ruin that by, <laughs> by, so uh 
But no, I my favorite character was actually um Catherine Newton who played Cassie. So, oh yeah, she was good. Um so I the first time I ever came across Cat- Catherine Newton was in Supernatural when she played Claire Novak. Mm. So um Oh, I've forgotten Castiel's daughter. Uh, well, mm. kind of, kind of, kind of Castiel's daughter, the human host of Castiel's daughter. Yeah. Uh, I loved her in Supernatural. Now, her acting back in Supernatural wasn't the strongest. No one's is. Um, <laughs> I was really heavily disappointed when the spin-off of Supernatural didn't get greenlit to yeah. be an all-female cast. Do you remember that? The, yeah, but they, I mean, they did end up doing the Winchesters. They just didn't do oh, yeah. the, the what was it called? The Sisters? The Wayward Sisters? Yeah, yeah, the Wayward Sisters, that's what. Mm-hmm. And so she was going to be in the Wayward Sisters. And so I was disappointed in that. But anyway, then she, the next time I saw her was in a TV series which got cancelled. And it got cancelled because of COVID. They released one season of it called The Society. Mm, do you remember this yeah. on Netflix? Did you ever watch it? No. <clears throat> um, so that was a kind of a riff on the Pied Piper. And okay. This kind of follows the kids who get taken, and mm-hmm. they get put in this sort of pocket dimension. Or well, that's kind of what's very alluded to. Then it was never answered. And then season two was literally about to start filming, and then COVID happened, and um, because of all the new requirements and all the filming restrictions around, you know, daily testing and yep. all the rest of it, and the costs costings that were just added. Netflix did cancel a bunch of things, but. The reason why I'm highlighting these two things is then come back to this movie and having seen her in Supernatural where she was in 2014 when I first saw her to now in 2023, her acting has so vastly improved, mm-hmm. um, which it would like, you know, she's a young actress. So it's going to it's going to get better where I mean, you hope, right? Like she well, yeah, actually well, she actually yeah. followed an upward track. Some people don't. Yeah. OK, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And um but seeing that progress, I mm-hmm. really enjoyed. No, it's not every, you know, not everybody that watched this film would have seen her in anything previously. She's going to be brand new to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But having seen her in those previous TV things, you know, six episodes of Supernatural and 10 episodes of the Society, she's in other things as well, which I haven't seen, like Big Little Lies and stuff like that. Um, one day I'll watch those. Anyway, to see her progression, firstly, was a massive tick to me. And I thought the fact that she handled herself so well with people like, Paul Rudd and Michelle Pfeiffer and yeah, yeah, all of these people are are veterans on the on the big screen. And this yeah. is, as far as I was aware, her first big screen outing. And she actually was the most um, well I with guess, like speaking roles because she was in Infinity War. She was in one of the other no, films. Not the same actress. They recast. Did they? Yeah, so it was a different actress. So um, when he shows up at the <clears> end, <throat> end, when he shows up in Endgame and goes to his house, yeah, um, and his daughter opens the door and is like, "Dad," it was a different actress. They recast. Oh, uh, okay, okay. However, even that was just a cameo role. Mm-hmm. So they recast her um, between Endgame and this movie. So, gotcha. unfortunately, yeah, this is uh, her first big screen. Uh, yeah, I. I always hate recastings. However, I'll be honest, when I heard that about one this recasting, well, yeah. I was really pleased with this. I thought she did well. Yeah. And I love the fact that she did have a suit. And I loved the chemistry with her, between her and Paul, yeah. um, where Paul Rudder was kind of educating her or a little bit giving her some in, in-field training, which I thought was cool. Because yes. think about three films ago, it was the Wasp telling him. Yeah. 
that now he's telling her and passing passing that knowledge on yeah and and kind of you've got to think about also paul rudd's growth as well across the three films but i thought she handled herself so well as an actress seeing her growth seeing her growth from what i'd seen over the last 10 years of her and handling herself with sort of veteran um actors and actresses i thought she handled herself really well and i loved how now sort of the character i loved how like the, the sort of the spunk of this character yeah um, definitely just like her just yeah just seeing her feistiness and that her first opening scene is that she's in the slammer oh yeah and, like, the slammer. Like, like like for you know like for like father like daughter oh, like, yeah exactly and, uh, and then they're having this family meal like afterwards and like everybody knows yeah <laughs> like, well yeah i thought that was funny too it was just like wait a minute well actually janet didn't know either she didn't know that they were working on quantum stuff so her and right. uh scott were surprised whereas i thought it was like to me i love the interaction like they are a blended family but they mm-hmm. like scott's daughter spends more time with hope and hank than she does with her own dad you know what i mean like it's just this super interesting dynamic how they just absorb cassie like she was one of their own like with mm-hmm. no questions asked or anything so i love that i love their family dynamic yeah, I thought that was cool as well, how she fit in with Hank and mm-hmm. um, and um, <clears throat> Hope as well. Like, and they had this secret little club. Is that what's going on here? Yes, exactly. So, um, but anyway, I I thought she's brilliant. She's real standout for me. There's other characters I thought were good too, but she stood out for me. Like I say, the growth as an actress um, and the character I loved. So I just yeah. thought it was great. So, um, and yeah. Well, anyway, let's talk about the actual structure of this movie. So you touched on it a minute ago, the writing first movie not written by Paul Rudd. Mm-hmm. Did you did you feel you noticed that? Um, only in the sense that there was not as much humor. Like there mm-hmm. there were pieces of humor that were spread throughout, but it didn't have that funny bone thread like the first two films did. I think this one had to have the heavier tone. Um, mm-hmm. And I think they had to have the kind of writer that could give Kang a big enough introduction that that would carry over to the rest of the film. So I can see why, why they would have taken Paul off the writing for this Mm. one. Um, But it doesn't like, I don't think that it's detrimental. Like again, this, it just feels like a leveled up version of an Ant-Man film. It's still, you know, it has that, it does have a guardians feel, but it it is still an Ant-Man film. So it it doesn't feel like you lose any of Paul Rudd's uh, sort of quirkiness Mm -hmm. throughout the film, but uh, it does just feel like it has a heavier tone. I did enjoy the writing. I enjoyed the backstory that we got between Janet and Kang when they first wound up in the quantum realm together. Um, so I, I think the writing is done well. I think it does well to actually set up a story versus mm. just telling the story that is happening right now. I think the writing here does a really good job of giving you what's happening now, but also... <laughs> driving you in a specific direction um, i think it, actually they 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 structured this movie well i love that the <clears> opening <throat> scene is janet um mm-hmm. and she just pans over and sees kang laying on the floor in the quantum realm yeah and he saves her life and then it comes to sort of current day mm-hmm. i i thought that was good as well because you know this is this is the ant-man and the wasp film which is which we know is paul rudd and angelina lily um movie and really hank pym and um janet are side characters mm-hmm. well, whilst part of the main cast they are not you know, the stars of the movie so to speak yeah so i thought it was cool to have an opening scene that is michelle pfeiffer driven and mm-hmm. obviously we know michelle pfeiffer is an extremely strong and versatile actress so to start with her was a good strength on their point and i think they did a lot like you say to set things up 
Mm-hmm. Even the whole Modoc setting up, <laughs> they, they 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 have <laughs> they have, they have uh, Cassie mention him earlier on in the film. There's mm-hmm. a there's a lot of setup, and you know we're not going to talk about Wonder Woman too, but you know just the craziness of the random things that Wonder Woman two would just go. Oh yeah, by the way, I can do this. Yeah, you know, let me just turn this plane invisible. Because I because I because I can do that. Like, yeah. And, uh, so dumb. anyway, um, <clears throat> but there was no there was no, none of that silliness of just. Yeah. Like oh randomly here's Derek. It was they had setups of that. Although they went back and flashed back to mm-hmm. the first movie, um, I would say this as well was a much more overall serious film. Now yeah. I say that knowing that a lot of the characters we meet in Quantum Mania are very silly looking, yes. and there is humor, which I would say is very Guardians of the Galaxy. Honestly, yes. it felt, felt very much like a James Gunn. It did. It did. His, well, not a James Gunn film. It felt like James Gunn had a hand in it. Now, mm-hmm. I don't think he did for a single minute, but it felt like that world. Um, But yeah, I think they handled the balance, and we've talked about this previously, they handled the balance between serious and comedy very well. Yeah. Probably why they had to pull Paul Rudd's humour back a little bit, because there was a lot yeah. to do. Well, really. you can't have him being like, funny all the time in addition to all of these funny looking aliens yeah, like it just would so not have worked it would have become more of a comedy so they probably right. said that paul we're gonna have to step back your one-liners and yeah you know so really paul you're just gonna have to be an autopilot for this movie so, <laughs> uh <laughs> did you have any favorite scenes in this movie uh i don't know it's hard to pick i think i just i really enjoyed all of the world building that they did in this one mm-hmm. i enjoyed just being in the quantum realm like, yeah. so i don't know that i really have any i do have a least favorite but i don't know if i have any like favorite well, I guess that scenes. Could be where i normally say would you cut anything so, uh, you cut so anything? okay the only the the scene that really just kind of took me out of the moment and this is probably because jonathan majors had been training for the creed 3 film so he had the heavyweight boxer body <laughs> under his yeah. kang suit but when Kang and Ant-Man are fighting at the end of the film, I was like, there ain't no way Paul Rudd is taking a punch from Kang and going to get up <laughs> and keep talking. Like, I'm sorry, that's just not going to happen. So like that whole sequence of the two of them, like fist fighting at the end, I was like, this, this doesn't make any sense because I mean, one punch from him and you would have been out. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I am not, I'm not buying you going tit for tat with him. Like, because like by then he he gotten like attacked by the ants and so his suit was all ripped and you could see all of his like actual muscles. His whole arm was about the size of Paul Rudd's leg. Like there is no way you getting hit with that arm and getting back up. I'm sorry. So that was I I mean I understand why they have to have the one on one fight, but I think I would have found a way to kind of do that differently, just because like. It just it it took you right out of to me it took me right out of the moment just because it was like Jonathan Major's body type is like entirely too I don't know it's like if somebody took a punch from the Juggernaut and got back up you know what I mean like nobody's <laughs> taking a punch from Juggernaut and getting back up that's not that's not possible <laughs> like, uh, I guess he's not as big as a Juggernaut but like he, yeah I guess all I can think is Paul Rudd got what got him going was his daughter and yeah um and the adrenaline and stuff like that so i mean i yeah um, but still like that just it just took me out of the moment like uh, 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 and that's saying a lot like of all the alien crazy like the broccoli man there was a guy that looked like broccoli in this film and that was okay <laughs> but like kang and ant-man fist fighting i was like no man i'm not buying that but i'll buy the broccoli guy <laughs> <laughs> uh 
I don't know. The one thing I didn't really like was the whole probability storm where they read, he had multiple parent, multiple Paul Rudds and mm. multiple Andrew and Lilies. And um, I, I just thought that for me just felt very silly. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I kind of like the Baskin Robbins guy. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what I would do to replace it, but I just felt it was very silly. Like sometimes I guess you've got to have silly in films like this, but yeah, yeah. Um, for me, I do love the end scenes. I know you just talked about that fight with Kang versus Ant Man, the fist fight at the end. I thought mm. that was cool for them just to walk out the door and say goodbye to the quantum realm and still leave Kang hanging around. It was very open, and mm-hmm. you know Kang would have been more driven than ever to have got out of there. So yeah, I think that for him to get caught at the end and have a fist fight with him and potentially he is dead but we don't know because even paul rudd had a moment later on going well is he dead yeah so, i don't i mean me i don't think he's dead i think he just got shrunk with the uh with the core i don't think he's dead but i, I, I don't know that all the other kangs seem to think that he is dead so i don't think so <laughs> so he was the only one they referred to as kang the conqueror so yeah um, dun 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 We'll see so uh right okay so the film ends everybody gets home nicely they have a nice little fake birthday for cassie mm-hmm. they don't bring back lewis or anybody that we knew from the first two films which is unfortunate but everybody we knew from these films is although sad. david and did do one of the voices of the aliens or of the quantum people oh, um, really? I, think, oh, I didn't realize that he i think he was the holes guy oh uh, okay. <laughs> well, they should have got them all back they should have had a like a uh, like a alien like a quantum realm uh, yeah exactly Lewis. a quantum well, realm Luis. Oh, oh my god that would have been oh, hilarious so funny a like tour that, guide a quantum yeah. tour guide Luis, that oh. just gets you lost like that would have been so good that would have been hilarious or they just brought Lewis with them like, oh man so but anyway and i honestly thought so this when it ties up paul rudd's back he's buying a cake from the guy who's his who fired him from, from it. yeah. it's, you know, I think it's funny they brought back the Baskins Robbins guy from the first yes. film. So, again, part of a trilogy. See, everybody nicely. that wants to shit on horror movies, like Scream, really, really, really is iconic in the way that it understood how film works. So, yeah. y'all stop talking smack about Scream. Scream is fantastic. Um, so, when Paul Rudd's walking down with his cake after he's gone to Baskins Robbins, it's sort of he's reflecting on the recent mm-hmm. events, pro- probably writing his next novel in his head. And, and <laughs> look it out for the him. little guy. <laughs> and it, well, it dawns on him that is Kang dead or not? And then he's, oh, well, don't worry about it, it carries on. Yeah. Now I can imagine Paul Rudd being a bit like that. Well, sorry, Scott Lang being a bit like that. But I hope that maybe he does tell somebody. Yes. <laughs> so- let's hope he doesn't do what Janet did and he like reaches out. Maybe, uh, like, I don't know if he can. Well, I mean, he can't call Cap. Cap has decided that Cap is not doing that. Maybe he reaches out to like Falcon or something. Yeah. So, well, like, Captain's hey, man, I don't want to alarm you, but Falcon is now Captain America. So, very true. So, anyway, the movie ends. The movie ends, and there's two two scenes, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about in a second. Now, before these two scenes happened, I didn't, because obviously it was out for a day before I went, and it probably was online somewhere. I didn't look them up. I was hoping for the mid credit scenes. I had some hopes. I'm going to tell you my hopes before we talk about them. Okay. And I'm not disappointed, by the way, with these two scenes. But I hope that one of those scenes might have been Lewis. Like, yeah. I, I honestly hope that it was Lewis recapping the film. Yes. But, oh my God, so, that would have been great. 
So I was hoping that it would have been Lewis, like running into somebody saying, "Do you hear about my guy, my guy Paul? Yeah, like, da, 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 whatever, like and, you know, run yeah. through the whole quantum mania." <laughs> okay, but so I check this that. out. <laughs> yeah, so check this out. Yeah, my my boy Paul, my boy Paul, he's in the basement, blah blah blah, like, blah, blah yeah. and then he goes down, and then he shrinks. Like honestly, that I honestly thought if they do that, that would be absolutely brilliant. Didn't do it. What an unfortunately really badly missed opportunity. <laughs> missed opportunity. Such a missed opportunity. Um, although what would be cool is the next film that is impacted <clears> by <throat> Kang, they should just have Lewis in to like recap it for Yes, at the know, very beginning, like right like... after they roll that Marvel opening sequence. Like <laughs> just it starts with Luis. Yeah, they just roll Lewis <laughs> out. They're like, who's this guy? They're like, yeah. oh <laughs> anyway, so that's what I was one I was hoping for. The other one I was hoping for was some sort of Paul Rudd just like even if it was just him walking into the store and bumping into um, uh, Shang-Chi. Oh, um, yeah, like, that would have like, been good. So I was hoping those two things, because they're both in San Francisco. So yeah. I didn't I didn't assume that they would be massive world-building events. So normally the mid-credit scenes are, they can be world-building, setting up the next one, or sometimes they can just be stupid, funny things. And mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't think they were going to be setting up anything further. I just thought they were going to be funny. So I thought Lewis and Shang-Chi be brilliant. Like, yeah. or, 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 or both Lewis meeting the Shang-Chi guy. Did you hear about my guy, Paul? Oh, oh sorry, my, my God. Guy, my, 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 my guy, Scott, sorry. Like that would have been brilliant. Actually, if Lewis, if and they Shang-Chi... had been on the bus together and somebody was like, Hey, aren't you the guy that destroyed the city? And he's like, no, no, that was that bug guy. And then Lewis is like, hold <laughs> up, wait a minute. What are you talking about? That bug guy. <laughs> like, so like that, that would have been funny. Like just that, that brilliant. But anyway, first mid credit scene, was a bunch of Kangs. Do you want to go through that? So that one was like a meeting of Kangs. So they are essentially, they're kind of like watchers. Like they are watching all of these timelines and I guess it's three big ones, right? They come together and they're like, Oh yo, look, he's dead. Okay. Now that he's dead, let's get together and let's figure this out. And some of the other guys are like, yeah, but like, how do you know he's dead? They're like, well, I mean, we're we're going to figure it out. And then it just kind of pans to this gladiator arena type thing. And everyone in the audience is a version of Kang or a variant of Kang, rather. Um, so it's just like it gives you this sense of you you beat one of them. But how bad is the one that you beat compared to the ones that are left mm-hmm. is like the question it leaves you with. So it's like. There are some silly Kangs in there and they look like they're having a good, they look like the drunk guys that sit in the nosebleed seats at sporting events, right? Like they were just sitting there giggling and slapping each other, right? But like, I don't know. It still had this really ominous vibe about it. Like, Mm -hmm. because Kang had told Ant-Man, like, you think I'm the bad one. Like, I'm doing this to stop them. They are the ones that banished me, but I was doing good work. Even though, you know, I'm killing trillions of people in the process. Like, I was doing good work, and they banished me. So when I get out of here, I'm going after them. Mm-hmm. So if the guy that you just fought was upset at these guys, like, how bad are these guys, you know? So it just kind of puts you in this frame of mind, like, I don't know. It's the, the devil you know versus the devil you don't, right? I mean, the thing is, it's going to be ultimately that you can't have either of them. Because, well, yeah, we've got Kang the Conqueror, who, like you say, kills kills you know trillions of people and then we've got these people that might also kill trillions of people we don't know we don't know much about them yet but yeah ultimately they all need to go so uh, so i want to know though because obviously if this is as we know at the mcu is set on earth 616 where is 616 version of kang 
Anyway, so the post credit scene is, I, I'll be honest, I was shocked, did not expect I was not expecting all. this at all. At all. Like, at all. This did not even, I, I thought now that Loki was in the TV world, that Loki was kind of done. I, I, I assumed that they, now they killed him off in Endgame, that, well, sorry, Infinity War. And I thought, okay, yeah, Loki's been hived off into his own TV show that they won't bring him back. But this does now show how vital these TV shows are. Right. And they're, and they're not like our Netflixes or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They are. They are connected. Them. Yes. So, because we, fine, first, finally... we first meet Kang in Loki. A version yeah, of Kang. Yeah, a Loki. version of Loki. What was that version called? They called him something else, didn't they? They didn't call him Kang. Time, timekeeper or the... He was some kind of time something. Um, I don't remember. I can't remember now. It was, oh, it's annoying now. Uh, but I think like that scene with Loki. So I wasn't expecting that. But Loki and Mobius are. Oh, he he who remains. Oh, he who remains. Okay. Yeah. So he so, was interesting. Yeah, like, he who remains was more of a good one. Yes. Yeah. Um, but there was something again ominous about him. Yes. And he very much was foretelling about something coming too. So. Right. Um, so at the very end, we see another version of Kang, probably set in like Victor Timely. Uh, it's like the eighteen hundreds or something. Yeah, like late eighteen hundreds or something like that. And we see Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson, who mm-hmm. played Mobius <clears throat> and Loki, sitting in the audience. And Mobius, aka Owen Wilson, turns to Loki and says, "Is this the guy?" Like, you know, he's shocked. Like, is this? Yeah. Him? And Loki's like, "Yeah." And that's how it ends. It's a very, very quick scene. But yeah. it still had a lot of emotional impact because if you look at the expression on Loki's face, Loki is terrified of the guy standing up there on that stage. And yeah. that says a lot coming from Loki, for Loki to be scared of someone. Uh-huh. And I thought that that was, even though it was a really, really short scene, that had a lot of power because if Loki is scared, that is concerning to me. <laughs> like Me as a viewer... And to see Loki scared of someone, I'm like, oh shit, like, okay, so we we have really only scratched the surface with this character of Kang and mm-hmm. all of his variants, but like, for Loki to be in the audience looking at a version of Kang and telling Morbius, he's like, no, 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 I swear, like, this guy, because Morbius is like, he doesn't look that scary, and, mm-hmm. and Loki is like, that's exactly why he's so terrifying, um, but that to me was really good. It was just, it was so subtle, but it was really good. It's like a really good way to set up. Like this is not over. This is maybe, that, over. maybe, maybe that is our Marvel 616 version of Kang. So maybe, um, maybe there's one thing maybe, I want to say before we finish this. So when I went to the cinema yesterday, I've seen every Marvel movie, MCU, and I've seen every TV show. I think, um, I think I have, um, I didn't see that stupid Bodoc cartoon, but other than that, like, <laughs> like uh, I, think I thought it was a really one. neat twist to put Darren in the Modoc suit. I, I yeah, really oh no, that that was a good to make that the MCU's version of Modoc. That yeah. was pretty cool. But no, so I went to the cinema. Like I say, I've seen all the movies and all the TV shows. I went with um, my neighbor who dips in and out, mm-hmm. and he hadn't seen Ant Man two, and he hadn't seen Endgame or Infinity War or the Loki TV what? series. I know, How? I know. How would I, you even uh, go to the movies if you haven't seen the snap? That doesn't make any um, sense. So I well, I asked him if he wanted to go, and he said yeah. And then I said, But have you seen you know Ant Man one and two? And he went, I've seen one, but you know. I went, okay. And I and then he said, I said, Have you seen Endgame and Infinity War? No. I mean, are you sure you want to go? Because a lot of these things kind of fall into this. Yeah, yeah, it'd be fine, it'd be fine. 
and he watched it and he 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 sort of said he didn't really enjoy it he he said he said it was okay he said like more from a point of view is he liked the style of ant-man one and two and not ant-man three uh because he said it was very much like a space adventure and he and i think this is where a lot of the people have been not too keen on it they didn't like the space adventure type thing mm-hmm. now i imagine if they do an ant-man 4 it probably will be back to the caper style mm-hmm. movies but this movie was needed anyway i explained a lot to him on the drive home i was trying to tell him about the loki tv series Endgame, etc i was trying to fill in a lot of the pieces for him and you know that whole meme that goes around about the Marvel fans sitting down for the latest film in 2035 yep. has now had to watch 47 movies or 377, whatever it is, and 18 TV shows to understand the current thing. And I feel like that Loki scene really now relies on almost the goodwill of your of your fan base to actually go yes. and do this research because there's going to be a lot of people that didn't watch that Loki TV series and were like, what? Loki's alive. Like I saw, you know, they might be like, I only saw Avengers and he died. Like, yeah. Uh, so, however, I guess the other thing is they're hoping that people also may not watch Loki and don't have Disney Plus and may go subscribe. So, I mean, they, that's possible. But I think, I still think like, if you haven't seen like all the individual things, like I still am behind. I have still not seen Doctor Strange 2. But I feel like for a world like this, you have to have at least kept up with the Avengers films. Even if you don't watch the individual characters, like if you said, oh, I never saw Civil War. Or, oh, mm-hmm. I never saw Ant-Man 2. Okay, fine. But like you've seen Avengers 2 and, you know, Endgame. And, and Infinity. like, how could you continue without seeing the big ones? Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense to me. Right. Anyway, we'll bring it to a close. Uh, I haven't actually thought this through right now, but out of five, what would you give it? Um, I'm going to go ahead and give this one a four. You know, I think I'm going to give it a four too. I enjoyed it. I, I think I, I it, enjoy- it does a good I job of setting it. it up. And I think that's why it gets the extra bonus points. I... They handled everything. They handled everything. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I can't fault this movie really. There's the odd thing that, you know, but yeah. there's the odd thing in every movie. Anyway, next episode, we're going to be reviewing Werewolf by Night. Going to be a bit of a smaller episode next week. Yeah. Um, but anyway, come back for that. Follow us on Geeks and uh, follow us on social media. We are Geeks and Niche everywhere Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast Google, Podbean, Apple, Spotify. We are everywhere. So please leave us a five star review and tell your geeky friends. Thank you very much. Good journey. Good journey. <laughs>